are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson, Chapter Leadership Committee member for Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. Today is April 17th, 2022, and this is episode 169 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we'll hear a conversation I had with watercolor artist Jan Guarino about an exciting event that's coming up on April 28th. Did you ever try watercolor painting, Cindy? <laughs> well, I'm sure I did when I was little, but <laughs> my sister definitely got all of the artistic ability in our family. My mom and I like to like to joke about that. So you tried watercolors when you were little or, or finger, is it finger painting? <laughs> I'm probably all of the above. Yeah. And then, well, we, and then we moved on. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Leave it to, leave it to Tammy, my sister. Okay. <laughs> uh, I've always liked to draw personally, but mm-hmm. I've always been uh, kind of impatient when it comes to painting. Uh, I feel like maybe it's time to give myself another chance with that. Sure. Why not? So we'll get back to talking about today's guests in a few minutes. But first, has anything interesting happened on the state lighthouse history? Yes, something did. One of the most famous disasters in American lighthouse history happened on this date in 1851. Just over a year earlier, a lighthouse was established on Minot's Ledge, about a mile offshore from the towns of Cohasset and Situate on the south shore of Boston, Massachusetts. The 70-foot-tall tower stood on long piles driven into the rock, and the first keeper complained that it swayed two feet in each direction. The second keeper had to go ashore in April 1851, leaving two young assistants in charge. A tremendous storm hit the area, and early in the morning of April 17th, the two keepers died when the lighthouse fell over. The happy part of the story is that a new lighthouse was built between 1855 and 1860, and the 114-foot-tall granite tower that still stands today on Minot's Ledge is considered one of the greatest achievements in American lighthouse construction. So, Cindy, let's tell our listeners about today's guests, Jan Guarino and Michelle Miroff. Sure, Jeremy. Jan Guarino has been a graphic artist designing marketing materials for businesses for 45 years. She recently retired from graphic design to focus entirely on her painting and teaching career. The New York resident is now a full-time watercolor artist and teacher, sharing her knowledge in classes and workshops and exhibiting in various galleries. She is a permanent artist at the Firefly Gallery in Northport, New York. You can see much of Jan's work on our website at janguarinofineart.com, and original works and prints can be purchased through the site. She specializes in seascapes and landscapes, still lifes and florals, animals and portraits. Jan will be working with the U.S. Lighthouse Society and the Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse and Museum in Florida for a special virtual event via Zoom on April 28th. Participants will be able to follow along and create their own watercolor as Jan paints a portrait of the Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse. Also taking part in today's interview is Michelle Miroff, who is a board member of the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society in New York. Jan and Michelle worked together when Jan did a watercolor of Huntington Lighthouse, and Michelle had a lot to do with the idea for the event that's coming up on April 28th. I'll be hosting the event with Jeff Gales, Executive Director of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. You can get all the details of the event at uslhs.org. 
So let's listen to my conversation with Jan Guarino and Michelle Miroff now. I'm speaking with watercolor artist Jan Guarino and also with Michelle Miroff, who is a board member of the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society in New York. We're going to be talking about a very exciting event coming up very soon on April 28th. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you both so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we appreciate it too, Jeremy. So first, Jana, I just want to talk a little bit about your background before we talk about this uh, specific event. Uh, how did you get started in your art career? Well, it all started with crayons, as it does for a lot of us. Um, only I managed to not only uh, go to college for it, um, but I managed to stay in it all these years. It was more on the commercial end, really, than the fine arts end of it. That's where I was able to make a living. But uh, yeah, it's been I've been in the um, commercial art marketing advertising for a lot of years. And so this opportunity came up to start painting. I, I started a, a greeting card company for businesses to send to each other and I needed, you know, artwork. And so I picked up my paints and I started painting and I'm like, oh, I really like this and I really miss it. And it really gave me a sense of, you know, doing something for myself rather than for businesses, you know, doing their logos and brochures and things like that. So it, it was very fulfilling to get back into this and then I kind of discovered not only am I enjoying it so, but I enjoyed teaching it. So that was like a caveat that I had not anticipated, not seen coming, didn't expect to happen. And there it was. <laughs> well, from talking with you and seeing your work, it's very obvious you you love what you do. That comes through in, in everything you Thank do. You. So, Thank you. Uh, so what were some of the lessons you learned in your uh, those years as a graphic designer? Anything specific you can think of? Yeah, there were, there were a lot of things. I did a lot of logos and a logo uh, is consists of many different elements. And those elements are very similar to what you do in fine art composition, you know, um, uh, contrast, texture, colors sitting next to each other. So I kind of had this natural ability to pull those elements together and and it kind of just fell into place when I started doing uh, paintings. I had a natural sense of good composition. I understood color. I understood it, understood contrast and texture and all those things that you study fine art for. I've been doing for years, you know, with corporate communications. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. I was just thinking how about a, a lot of our great artists, I think, had a commercial training of one kind or another. Experience. I think you're right. And architect, that's that's I mean, mm -hmm. I never did architecture, but I do find a lot of architects are able to transition very quickly into doing architectural type paintings. So, you know, that transition, you kind of have a skill set that really helps you when you tap into Absolutely. So what is it about watercolors, the watercolor medium, especially that you like? Oh, my heart be still. I just think it's the most stunning medium. It paints for you if you let it. It's miraculous. And, uh, you know, there's a fine line between how far you work into a painting and overdoing it or stopping. And, you know, and I, those are the things, those are the lessons that we do, like, when do you stop and whatnot, but a watercolor, you know, it just continues to expand and do something until it's dry. And it's a very interesting medium and you have way more control than people give it credit for. Uh, people will say, Oh, you know, you can't fix, you can't do this. Well, you can. <laughs> and I, show all of those opportunities. I mean, you can't keep slapping more and more and more paint on top of a, a, a painting because you will overdo it, but there are lots of ways to correct a watercolor. 
I'll keep yeah. that in mind in case I decide to, to try to Coming beat to along with you on April 28th. <laughs> I'm considering All right. it. Well, All right, good. But I appreciate that that encouragement. I'll just mention that I I always I, growing up I love to draw. I've always done a lot of drawing, but mostly sketching type things and almost cartoony drawings of especially people's faces and stuff like that. I've always been too lazy to do whole scenes very often. So and and to me, painting is it's like a it's such a, a different language. And uh, I've been afraid of it, but maybe it's time for me to stop being afraid of it. Well, I do teach fearless watercolors. So just saying, it's like I do call my classes fearless because people are afraid of a lot of things about watercolor. And I just think it's the most incredible medium to embrace. And um, the more you let it be a watercolor and flow into itself, the more wonderful things that happen. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But um, there's, you know, that idea of like doing a sketch. I mean, a painting doesn't have to be edge to edge, top to bottom, left to right. You could do a vignette. That's lovely, you know. Right. So, you know, you can really, you know, have that opportunity to sort of make that make it into exactly what you want. It doesn't have to be a whole big commitment. You could do a little, you know, six by nine. It doesn't have to be 18 by 22 or anything like that. That's that's a big commitment. A little yeah. thing, a little, a little, <laughs> anything that makes you happy, you know, yeah. embrace it. Makes sense. Uh, so I was reading an interview with you uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you said something really interesting. You kind of discussed the difference between being a tonalist or a colorist. And w so which one yeah. of those are you? Well, I love my color. I do. It's interesting to learn how to be a tonalist, which really means that if you take the three primary colors, blue, red, yellow, and you mix them together or your secondaries, your violet and your uh, green and your, your yellow, um, uh, orange, they tone each other down. This is what I teach in the classes. And you do get different shades of gray, uh, which is nice to know. But I don't know. We live in color and I love the fact that, you know, um, you can see the world through your color palette. You could look at your paint and say that sky is cerulean or those shrubs are, you know, uh, cascade green. And you could take the language of your paints and see it in your world. And I love that. So I would say I'm definitely a colorist, although I do embrace and love the tonalists. They're amazing, amazing artists. And there just tends to be a whole, um, you know, uh, movement towards a lot of tonalists. But yeah, to me, it's color. Yeah, I completely understand. I'm a big movie buff and I, I love both, you know, beautiful uh, color cinematography and black and white. I think they, they both have their place. Kind of depends on the subject yeah, matter. So Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, so what do you think it is about your style that makes it so attractive to people? Well, I think it depends on who it's attracted to. I think it's attractive to artists because they want to learn the techniques to paint the way I do to depict a subject matter and not have it be precision. You know, if we paint a flower, I'm not doing it as a botanical. That doesn't interest me. I'm not looking for it to be perfect. I want it to, you know, utilize those things that watercolor is all about. And so I think they like the way that I interpret it from a purchasing point of view. I think maybe it's the same. I don't know. <laughs> I think people like the, the fact of, that I can interpret something and not have it be so perfect, but there's a, a sense of the joy and the freedom and, and the fearlessness that I 
injected into the painting? It's, it's a good question. You know, I'll do a portrait and I'll do it in two colors. I'll do it in an orange and a turquoise. And you'd never know it because those two colors totally make skin tone, interestingly enough. So I think that they um, maybe see a simplicity and yet an intricacy at the same time. It's kind of a yin yang thing. That makes sense. Uh, people can't see it, of course, but we're speaking on Zoom and you're in your studio there with some of you. Well, there's a whole lot going on around me. <laughs> yeah. But people can look at your website, which I want to talk yes. about uh, before we're done. But we'll just, uh, since we're, uh, I just mentioned it, why don't we just say it right now? Your webs, what is your website? It is my name, Jan Guarino mm-hmm. And if you can't spell Guarino, it's G U A R I N O, Jan Guarino Yeah. And people can see a lot of your work on there. Yes. And uh, I recommend that they check it out, of course. So you do both live classes and virtual ones. Do you have a preference uh, between those? You know, I I never thought, I mean, I didn't see online classes coming until, you know, two years ago. And it took a bit to embrace the technology and also have my students embrace it. And it's given me a new perspective on even teaching live, believe it or not, that instead of doing a demo and then everybody going back and working on their piece, it's given me an opportunity to maybe work with them. Like literally I'm painting and describing every single thing that I'm doing and they get to do it at the same time. So their online has really changed how I teach even in person. So I think that that's from lemons to lemonade is what I say. It really transformed everything. And so I, love teaching online now because I'm reaching people all over the world. Like Mm -hmm. when could I have done that before? You know, it was like, you know, I have students in London, I mean, all over the United States, but London and, um, and I have uh, another student in Australia and New Zealand. And it's like all of a sudden, you know, teaching online just made our world so much more accessible. And I never imagined that, you know, and before I'd have maybe a class, if you had 15, 20 people be like, oh my God, that's a lot. Now you could have double, triple that, you know, um, and with effortlessly. Oh, it's similar with the lighthouse events. Uh, We're involved with the U S lighthouse society and other, other groups. You you get people, you know, attending from all over the world. It's fantastic. So there's, there's pluses and minuses with with both ways, but there's a lot of pluses with both uh, live and virtual events for sure. There is for sure. So your work is very eclectic, uh, subject-wise. You've painted landscapes, seascapes, still lifes, many other subjects. People, of course, portraits. Uh, what led you to lighthouses as a subject? Well, um, lighthouses just have a beautiful mystique about them. I feel, and it incorporated landscape with seascape with architecture. Interestingly enough, so it was that combination that really helped me to uh, focus so directly on that. It's reflections in the water or very dramatic skies, or in the case of the painting we did with Michelle of the Huntington 
lighthouse, you know, it was a stormy winter day we did. And, uh, you know, there's just so much you could crashing of the waves or, you know, it's a lot of drama, you know, that you could add or very calm, very serene, very picturesque, uh, sun, summer, sunrise, sunsets, reflections, palm trees, all of that. You get to blend a lot of things together. So it's really putting together a lot of the things that I just love about architecture, landscape, seascape. I think you just summed up a, a lot of the things people love about lighthouses in general, know, even, right? if, even yeah. if they're not artists. Yeah. Yes. The drama and the serenity, the, the uh, you know, juxtaposed uh, kind of extremes there. Exactly. Um, so, Michelle, I'm sorry we've left you out of the conversation no, so far, okay. but I thank you for your, your patience here. So you are the corresponding secretary for the Huntington Lighthouse Preservation Society. Correct. Can you tell me about the event that Jan did uh, not so long ago with your organization there? Early one morning, I emailed Jan and because we're both we're both artists at a gallery in Northport, New York, and it also has a beautiful harbor. And um so I emailed her because I've been wanting since since the time I started volunteering for the Huntington Harbor Lighthouse, I have um, been wanting a card, a seasonal card, a Christmas card, a holiday card. And I, I emailed Jan early one morning. She got back to me immediately. I was so excited that this was happening. And I didn't even bother to ask permission or say anything because I wanted to pay for this. And I didn't want the lighthouse to spend any of its money. So Jan met me that day, right across the street from our gallery. We had lunch, we talked, and I said, this is what I want to do. And it just kept snowballing. And it, it, and it was a- just, yeah. So then Jan said, I have an idea. Beside just painting the lighthouse, why don't you invite some of the, you know, the lighthouse people on? So I did. I invited a couple of our lighthouse board members and, and a few of them came on. And as Jan painted, they discussed the history of the lighthouse. One of them was the archivist. One of them, as one was the historian, one writes grants. One of them was our vice president. And they all know about a lot of the history of the lighthouse. So they talked about it. And it was, I think it made it interesting for Jan as well to learn some of the history of the Huntington Lighthouse. So mm-hmm. we talked about it and it got even, it just kept growing. And then we had, G. Clay prints made and we had cards made and it, it was, it was great. Yeah. And I was so excited about it. Then I took, when I knew this was happening after it was done, I told our president, Pam Setchell, cause I said, I did not ask for permission, better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. But I said, if I'm paying for it, it's not costing the lighthouse anything. Mm-hmm. And I want the lighthouse to benefit from this. I learned something today. I, I didn't know you're an artist also, Michelle. Yes. Yes. What type of art do you do? Do you do watercolor? Well, I studied fine art, and I must admit, in college, first of all, I'm a lot older than Jan, I think, and and yourself. And anyway, I studied fine art, and in those days, you kind of looked down your nose on commercial artists because you thought I, I'm going to be told what to paint. So my favorite things were printmaking and photography, and the whole process. And then I started on my masters, but I never finished the masters. But it's funny because I gravitated towards needlework. So Mm. I do everything from quilts to um, I even do photographs of lighthouses on pillows. I do punch needle. I do needle felting. And I do that kind of stuff. I also do cards. I also do uh, greeting cards, which are not the kind that you stamp. It's the kind that I'll draw, print, 
and probably hand cut and do things like that to it. So oh, fantastic. Do you have a website where some of your work? No, can be seen? I no? don't have a website yet. Okay. Uh, people have told me I should be on Etsy, that I should get a website. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. The type of stuff you do sounds perfect yeah. for Etsy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's wonderful. So how did the event with Jan work out? How, did, how was the whole experience? With that? I, it, as I said, it just kept growing. And I was so excited that one night we were leaving. We actually had a trunk show at the gallery and we were leaving. And I said to Jan, I said, you know, if you don't mind doing this, I think I can get you to paint other lighthouses. Would you like to do that? And she said, of course. So <laughs> yes. that, that <laughs> but in the meantime, we, um, we've sold quite a few G clay prints. They don't cost that much to make, but the all the money is going to the lighthouse. We mm -hmm. sold quite a few packages of cards, both with the wreath and without the wreath. So we have seasonal cards and we have just greeting, you know, just a, a note card. In fact, I just recently got an order from a woman who's a doula, who's I also volunteer for hospice. And she apparently is a doula and a bereavement coach. So, and she does grief classes. So she wanted pictures of our lighthouse. She wanted our card to give to the people that she coaches, you know, as a form of light and mm. hope. I love and it. So that was, it was perfect. So yeah. I think we made out pretty well. And of course, tour season starts very soon. So I'm hoping to sell a lot more cards. Mm -hmm. And like also that. the original, you know, the scan of it, they were able to use on all of their marketing pieces. Yeah, so yeah. now they have original artwork, not just a photo, but original artwork that they use on all of their different marketing pieces. So that was another yet level of, you know, integration that, uh, you know, happened as a result of this yeah. snowball yeah. effect. Mm -hmm. In fact, I sent a brochure to um, Josh, so I asked him for his address where I could send it because I wanted him to get the idea that maybe, hey, maybe we can do this too. So I sent him a copy of the brochure and we recently reached out on the educational side to PTAs and yacht clubs and boating clubs and schools. And we put the brochure in each one of those letters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll just mention, you mentioned uh, Josh a moment ago. That's Josh Liller, our friend, who's the uh, historian for Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse and Museum. Yeah. And he's been interviewed on this podcast uh, when I was there uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, he'll be taking part in this event on April 28th. So, Michelle, uh, you got the ball rolling on this. You contacted the U.S. Lighthouse Society about doing an event with Jan. As you just yeah. said, you asked her if she wanted to paint other lighthouses, and then you contacted us. So you helped with the development of this event we're doing on April 28th. Well, yeah, maybe you've already answered this question, but I was going to ask you what kind of led you to that, that thinking that this could benefit organizations like USLHS. I think it's because prior to my retirement, <laughs> I was also a pre-sales technical consultant for a major communications company. And I always found I would listen to people and kind of try to put the need and the solution, especially when they didn't even know they had a need for it. And I was thinking about it and I thought of all people, I think that the U.S. Lighthouse Society does such a great job educating people. You do a wonderful job with your videos and sharing that. And I am so glad I decided to join the U.S. Lighthouse Society. And I thought I started to track down lighthouses on my own, thinking, all right, I'll start with Long Island. So I thought, well, we can't help Montauk. We can't help Fire Island. They are pretty much government controlled. And then I thought, 
What about lighthouses, other preservation societies that do need the revenue? For instance, Stepping Stones Lighthouses, from what I understand is, I saw it from the outside, it looks pretty disastrous. And I know the people are working very hard, but I thought, what if they had an opportunity to do something like this and raise money for the lighthouse? Yeah. Because they, you know, we need a lot, we still need money for the lighthouse, no matter how much we've put into it. It's a home that doesn't get lived in and it's in the middle of the water. Yeah. So it, you know, what happens with houses that are abandoned and that's, you know, it, it requires a lot of upkeep. Absolutely. And maintenance. So I, I thought of all people, the best people or the most knowledgeable people was the U S lighthouse society. So I called and I left a message and Jeff, Jeff Gales called me back like within a, two days or so. I was in the middle of making dinner. I think I burned the eggs, but that's okay. <laughs> I was so excited. And I, I, I started telling him why I did it and, you know, what it involved and how I think it could benefit other preservation societies. And then I got off the phone with Jeff and he said, okay, I'll, I'll get back to you. And um, it sounds interesting. And I called Jan and I said, are you ready for Broadway? <laughs> <laughs> Jan says, what are you, what are you saying? I said, I just got off the phone with the U S lighthouse society. To me, they're like the most important thing when it comes to lighthouses. And I told them about what you did. And she says, you're, you're just putting me on. I said, no, I'm not. I really think this, this will be wonderful because I honestly think this can benefit the U S lighthouse society It can benefit Jan. It can benefit any of the other preservation societies. So as much as I love my lighthouse, I love other lighthouses too. I think most lighthouse people do. So mm -hmm. if I can help another lighthouse, I'm all for it. Yeah. Well, it's perfect. It's a great fit. And, you know, we're always, Jeff and I and everybody with USLHS, we're always looking for new ideas to kind of broaden the appeal to uh, get I'm not disparaging our, our regular members and people who attend all our events and everything. They're absolutely great, you know, but with any organization, you've always got to work to attract new people, obviously. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is one of the, the types of events we're, we're doing to, to hopefully bring in at least uh, maybe uh, let people know who've never given a whole lot of thought to, to, to lighthouses, or maybe they've painted lighthouses before, but never thought about how they actually need money for preservation and right. that sort of thing. Right. So let's talk a little bit more about the uh, the event that's happening on April 28th. Jan, can you describe uh, to some degree what what's going to happen in that event? What can people expect if they take part? Well, if you paint, you will receive the photograph. Uh, you will receive uh, my supply list and my contour drawing uh, that I put on, on watercolor paper, just to give you a sense of what I'm going to be doing with the photo, because I don't make it a literal, here every, is where everything goes. So it's those three things, plus um, you know the link, of course, to the, to the workshop. And uh, when you come in, over the past two years, I do these classes multiple times a week, and I tell you every single thing that I'm doing, every brush stroke, the brush that I'm using, the colors that I'm using, um, what techniques I'm using, all of those things are explained in detail and you paint along with me. 
So I don't have Bob Ross's hair, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> but um, I will explain every single thing. And so the worst case scenario is, you know, you try something and I believe they're going to get the recording so that they can try it again on their own. So yep. you'll have the opportunity to, you know, try it again if you need to. But you may surprise yourself and really end up with something that as often happens, you didn't expect to um, get such a positive result, which is makes me happy as a teacher. The most exciting thing for me is that I see the aha moment when an artist looks at their work and said, oh, wow, I didn't think I could do that. And look at what I did, you know, and sort of get rid of the fear mm-hmm. of watercolor, you know, and embrace the fun of it. That must be such a, a fun thing for you to have people react that way. Oh, I never thought I could Best. do that. Yeah, It's thrilling. It really is. I couldn't ask for anything better. It's just amazing just to have that happen. Well, it does obviously speaks to your uh, abilities as a teacher and a, as an inspiration. So the subject, as we've said a few times, is going to be Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse in Florida. Beautiful place. I got to visit there a couple of years ago. Uh, my wife and I visited some of the lighthouses on the East Coast at the time. So uh, what do you think about Jupiter as a subject? And have you been there, Jan? Oh, my heart be still. It's so beautiful there. It is just a beautiful spot that you could just grab a bite along the inlet, look at the lighthouse from across the water. Um, you could, of course, do a tour there or whatever. And I have been there. And, um, and I have painted it before. So this is particularly thrilling because it's just such a magical spot and a really special place. I think all lighthouses sort of have their special spot and something about this one, the way the light hits the subject matter and reflects into the water. And it's, you know, there's so much um, there for you to embrace. Oh, yeah. And I'll just mention again that our friend Josh Liller, who has contributed articles to the uh, U.S. Lighthouse Society's journal, uh, the Keeper's Log, and to the uh, the news blog and so forth, and uh, has been in the podcast. He's a great uh, historian, and not just for that lighthouse, but for lighthouses in general. Josh does a fantastic job. So he'll be taking part in the event, talking about some of the history of the lighthouse we're hoping some of the other uh, people with that organization, Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse Museum, will take part also. So that's going to add a lot to it. And from start to finish, it's going to be about two hours, right? Yep, should be about two hours. Um, I work pretty fast, so I might work a little faster than a lot of the um, people coming on to paint. But that's okay because you'll get the recording. And plus, it will be passing the microphone virtual microphone back and forth, because we do want the artist to know and learn something about the lighthouse as we paint it. And so they'll sort of be passing this um, uh, virtual spotlight back and forth, but I'll continue to paint. And, you know, the people who come on can continue that or, you know, wait for the recording and and, uh, try it that way, you know, themselves. But there'll be a history. uh, And if you want a sense of this, although it wasn't a class, on the Huntington Lighthouse, what what's the website, Michelle? There is our video of what yeah, we Huntington, did. HuntingtonLighthouse.org. HuntingtonLighthouse.org. Huntington.org. Yeah. You could watch the video that we did there, which was not a class, but I sort of did describe what I was doing um, as I was doing it. This will be a little bit more in-depth than that 
um, in terms of people following what I'll be painting and doing. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it should be great. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. Michelle, are you going to be painting along? Yes, I am. (laughs) I've never done watercolor. Uh I've never done oils, watercolor or pottery or I tried jewelry once. I was terrible at it. And uh, ironically, now I'm a 3D artist as opposed to but I do draw. Mm-hmm. So yes, I can't wait. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun. Jan, do people need to be experienced artists to take part in this? I think a little bit of knowledge helps. However, you know, there's always a good time to start. So, mm-hmm. you know, what's the, this is what we say in class. What's the worst that could happen. It's a piece of paper and it's a few hours out of your day. So come on on and have some fun and you may just surprise yourself. It certainly helps to have a little bit of knowledge and have um, the right supplies, which again, I'll I'll talk about in the form that I'll send to everybody, but it's a piece of paper at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. And it's not that expensive. That's the other thing. You, you know, you know, it's really not that expensive to invest that time Mm -hmm. to see what you can do. Yeah, I will mention that there is a $25 fee to, for people to register for the, the class, and there's some some cost for supplies. I don't, don't think it's uh, they're tremendously expensive. Mm-hmm. I also think um, that even if you don't paint, I've had people do what we call a jam cam, where you come in and look over my shoulder and I'm painting something, and you're just sitting back with your cocktail and enjoying the conversation and the, the something appearing in front of your eyes. And so there's kind of like a fun part of that also, really, you know, that gives you an opportunity to, you know, just come on and have some fun. So Jan, I have one final question for you for bonus points. Okay. So I hope you've got your sharpened uh, number two pencil or, or your watercolor uh, brush, if you prefer to uh, answer here's, that Here's way. my rigor brush. Go ahead. Very pointed. Okay. All right. So the question is, what is your favorite thing about teaching people to paint watercolors? What I hear from my students is that I'm the teacher that they were looking for and needed to uh, expand their own art and that they get great results. So to me, nothing's better than that, that, that they, they tried other teachers. And it's important to try many teachers because you learn a little something from everybody. And yet honing in on a variety of subject matter and different things from portraits to you know everything right down the line to boats and trucks. I do all crusty, rusty trucks, which is so much fun. It's that they get it. They start getting it and they start seeing their artwork getting better because I'm in their head. Do this, do this, make sure this, look at this. So it's the joy of me letting them know how much I love it and giving them that joy. I think that spreading that kind of emotion and feeling, and let's face it, we need more of that in this world, you know? So what's better than coming on for a couple hours, creating some beautiful art and enjoying each other's company and learning in the process. Beautifully said. And uh, I couldn't agree more that to uh, not just teach people painting, but to spread joy. I mean, how, yeah. how can you do any more than that? I want to mention that or if people are hearing noise in the background right now, <laughs> Jan, you have some landscaping going on outside your home there. So people might be, be hearing a little bit of noise there. I apologize. I'm going to mute myself so you don't hear it. <laughs> no problem at all. But I think we heard everything you said loud and clear. But uh, uh, Jan, uh, Jan and Michelle, Jan Guarino and Michelle Miroff, I want to thank you so much 
for spending this time with me today. Uh, I am so looking forward to this event on April 28th at three o'clock Eastern time. Uh, the information is all uh, on uh, uslhs.org, also on the news blog at news.uslhs.org. It's on the uh, USLHS Facebook page, and it's also on your website, right, Jan Guarino? JanGuarinoFineArt.com. Okay, I knew there was another part to that. Yeah, JanGuarinoFineArt.com. Thank you. So, again, thank you so much. Really looking forward to it, and I'll be seeing you both very soon. Also, uh, I should have mentioned, again, just thank you, Michelle, for making this all, all this happen. You're oh. the catalyst here who made this happen. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm thrilled, really. It makes me feel good. Since I've retired, I'm big on volunteering, so this is really mm-hmm. important, and I'm happy for everyone, and I really hope it works out for everyone. I think it will. And Jeremy, thank you so much by doing this podcast, too. I think it it increases the exposure. That's our hope. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And again, thanks so much, and I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. Thank, thank you both so much. Again, to learn more about Jan Guarino and to see her work, go to jangorinofineart.com. That's J-A-N-G-U-A-R-I-N-O fineart.com. To learn more about the virtual painting class event the U.S. Lighthouse Society is doing with Jan, visit uslhs.org and look under What's New. I hope some of our listeners will take part in this art class event. I still haven't quite decided if I will try painting along with Jan or not. Uh, Since I have to host the event, I'm thinking that I probably won't try to paint while the event is happening. Uh, That could be a little bit much, but Mm -hmm. I might try painting along with the video later. Mm. Uh, There is going to be a video available for anybody who signs up uh, for the event. You also get a video. The video will also be for sale later on for people who might want to just get that. Next, we're going to have one of our Be a Lighthouse segments, which honor people and organizations doing good in our communities. Over the past few weeks, kindergartners from the Primrose School of Alpharetta, Georgia, have collected donations for the Save the Children Foundation, which provides Ukrainian child refugees with psychological and social support, hygiene kits, and access to basic necessities. So far, the school has collected over $14,000. The amount raised through the families of the children in the school was actually $7,000. Irina Batia, who was born and raised in Kiev, Ukraine, is the franchise owner of the Primrose School of Alpharetta. She and her husband, Suvir, have matched the donations with their own $7,000 donation. Irina and Suvir will continue to match donations up to $10,000. By the time people hear this, that goal will probably have been reached. You can also donate directly to Save the Children. Check out savethechildren.org. Thank you to Irina and Suvir Batia and the Primrose School of Alpharetta, Georgia, for being a lighthouse in rough seas. Thanks, as always, to all the volunteers, members, and staff of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. Check out uslhs.org to learn more about the society and remember that donations and memberships help support this podcast. Please share word of this podcast on social media. And if you listen through a platform that allows you to post reviews, please rate and review us. The teacher and religious leader Buddha once said, quote, Thousands of candles can be lighted from a single candle, and the life of the candle will not be shortened. 
happiness never decreases by being shared, unquote. To everyone, thanks so much for listening and keep a good light. Shine, let it shine. Oh, in my heart, I'm gonna let it shine.